Good morning. Um, like most parents, when your kids are growing up and hit that age where they start to develop uh, their own likes and dislikes and what have you, uh, a smart parent, rather than trying to pull a kid into their world, will try to bridge the gap uh, between the two by entering into their world. And here's what I mean by that. Amy was our oldest um, when she was, it was junior high, so maybe 13, 14, somewhere right in that, uh, that time frame. Uh, she had three sports that she really enjoyed, believe it or not, hockey. Yeah. My girl liked to play <laughs> hockey. She would beg me, Dad, let me play with the boys. And I would say, you have such a pretty face, and 20 years from now, you'll thank me that I didn't let you do this. So the compromise was um, we got rollerblades, and her and I would play hockey with each other. But we would rollerblade all over the place. And then she also liked uh, mountain bikes. We got into mountain bikes. So um, whenever we would, uh, in the afternoon, uh, have free time, we would kind of alternate back and forth. We'd, uh, we would rollerblade or we would ride bikes. And this was at a time we were living up in Fort Collins. And we had jumped on the bikes. It was in the summertime, so it was a nice warm afternoon. We were riding through a park, and I had this great idea. I said, hey, these are mountain bikes. Let's put them to the test. I said, there's this cool trail we can ride through and uh, get off the, the cement path, and we'll have some fun. So off we go, and uh, we're riding uh, sort of in this uh, open field area. And there was a guy that had a big piece of property. And all of a sudden, as we were riding on this trail going by his property... Two of the biggest Rottweiler dogs you'd ever seen in your life ran up to the fence and started barking. You ever had that experience? You know, it scares you, but you feel fortunate because there's a fence between you and the dogs. We kept riding away, and it antagonized the dogs. And the next thing I know, they jumped the fence. So I yelled at Amy, ride faster. So we were trying to go faster to outrun these dogs, and it was clear that um, we were not fast enough. These dogs began to gain on us quickly. So I was in front. She was right behind me, and the dogs were coming fast, and I kept looking back and yelling, pedal faster, pedal faster. And um, she did the thing that uh, probably at that point was the worst thing you could do. She turned around to see where they were at, and the panic overtook, and she jumped off of her bike. Now, as a parent, what do you do? Um, right away as fast as you can, right? No. You, uh, <laughs> I turned my bike around, and I just judged real quick. Um, these dogs are too big to fight with. The best I can do is, um, is lay on top of her and grab my bike and put it on top of me and maybe keep these dogs from just ripping us to shreds. So while I'm running towards her, the dogs were just on us, and all of a sudden... The guy that owned the property yelled, stop. And those dogs, man, instantly stopped. I mean, literally within 15 or 20 feet of where we were. And they were growling and they were barking at us and she's crying. She's upset and I'm upset. And, you know, you're just, that, that adrenaline is going. And he whistled one time, real loud whistle. The dogs wheeled around took off, jumped over the fence, and sat there like nothing had happened. So obviously, this is something that they were used to doing. The guy thought it was funny, and we were in a terrible panic. 
never went that way twice, I can promise you. Um, what does this story have to do with anything? Only this. We're starting a new series coming into Easter, talking about the faces of Jesus. Jesus reveals himself to us in many different ways, and there's a reason for that, and I will talk about those things. The one we're going to talk about today is Jesus as the Good Shepherd. It's one of the words that he called himself. Uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, is Jesus teaching about what it means to be a good shepherd. And one of the things that Jesus says is this, listen, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. And just like these animals who, when they heard their master's voice, stopped on a dime and kept us from being mauled, man. The truth of the matter is that the Lord's voice, when it comes to his sheep, we should be able to hear regardless of what's going on around us. And it should preserve, protect, and direct our lives. Do you agree with that statement? Let me read it to you real quick. Uh, this is John chapter 10, verse 4. And again, all of John chapter 10 is Jesus talking about being a good shepherd. But he just makes this statement. After he has gathered his own, what's the word right there? Flock. Flock. Oh, by the way, so I can say it to you. So the Bible was written, um, this part, about 2,000 years ago. And it was written to a group of people who would have understood what it means to be a shepherd. Sheep were common. Shepherds uh, was a common job. And when Jesus told stories and when things were written, they were written so that the common person could understand it. Now, in 2018, it's not as common in the place that we live to find shepherds, to find people raising sheep. But nonetheless, there are things in this. The reason it's there is because there's analogies and truths and understandings that we can still pull from this. And even though we don't live at a time where we see sheep walking down the street and shepherds taking care of them, we understand the nature of the two things. Jesus compares himself to the good shepherd. He calls his people sheep for a couple of reasons. I'll talk about that. But I just think it's really important right here that he mentions uh, these words after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And then this part, they follow him because they know his what? Voice. Okay, so I want to say this to you real quick. It's a little bit outside of the message. It's not the main point of the message. But because it says this, I get this um, question all the time. Pastor, is it really possible to hear the Lord's voice? I have people say it more like this. Um, I don't know how to hear God's voice, or I never hear God's voice, or what does it mean to hear God's voice? Uh, on television uh, in the last couple of weeks, maybe you've seen this argument, there's a morning uh, daytime show where a woman um, is, she's anti-God, and she made this statement that people who talk to Jesus have mental problems. Anybody seen that? Um, call me crazy then. But let me say this. Um, Talking to Jesus. A couple of thoughts. Jesus himself is the one who said, my sheep know my voice. So this isn't our idea. This is his idea. Uh, what does it mean to hear his voice? Now, I've heard people say, I've heard the audible voice of God. I need to be honest. I never have. When I pray, I don't hear God speak out loud to me. But I do know this. He speaks in my heart. And I know what his voice sounds like compared to all the other voices that are out there. And how many of you would agree there are a lot of voices out there? Yes. 
There's a lot of things vying for our attention. One of the things a believer has to do is to learn to discern and distinguish his voice amongst the other voices. Uh, We do it in the natural all the time. When we were raising our children and they were little, uh, and we would put them in the nursery when we came to church, just like some of you have done this morning, uh, you know, some of the buildings when we were trying to buy and build, man, they were very small, and we had nurseries that were just, they were jam-packed with kids. And, you know, the smaller a nursery, it's funny, it's a domino effect. One kid can be unhappy. (laughs) And everybody else can start out happy, but that one kid is like a domino that causes the chink, 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 and pretty soon they're all crying. You ever experienced that one? And it sounds just like one big whale coming from the room. Chris always had this ability that regardless of how many kids were crying, she could pick out our kid's voice. I never could. It really paid off at nighttime when I was sleeping. I never (laughs) could hear their voice. Uh, She would wake me up anyway, so it didn't. The point simply is this. When we talk about hearing the voice of the Lord, people will say statements like, I just just don't know how to do it, or I just can't do it. Uh, You do it all the time, but you do it with other voices. I bet you've learned to understand your boss's voice. If you're married, I bet you know your spouse's voice. I bet you know uh, what voice they're using at the right time, too. If you haven't figured that out, I bet you're not happily married. Uh, I bet you know um, different voices of people that you hang with, your friends' voices, your mother or your father's voice if they're still alive. Uh, If they're not, I bet you can remember their voice. We learn to distinguish voices all the time. And this is all Jesus is saying is that my sheep know my voice. They've learned to distinguish mine above the others of all the competition that's there. So it is possible. Just look at me real quick. My only point simply is this. It is possible to hear the voice of the Lord. And one of the most important things that you can do, rather than agreeing with the enemy of your soul that you're unable to hear the voice of the Lord, even if you can't distinguish it yet, by faith begin to say this, I can hear the voice of God. Because by opening yourself up to it, the possibility is there for it. A lot of times we get what we believe. Does that make sense? We get what we believe. All right, so over the next few weeks then, we're going to talk about some of the ways that Jesus has revealed himself to us. And this is really interesting. Uh, the four things that we'll talk about uh, this weekend, Jesus as the shepherd. We're going to talk about Jesus as the healer. We're going to talk about Jesus as the teacher. And we'll talk about Jesus as the savior. That one is reserved for Easter right now. The only reason that we're doing this is I want to show you that Jesus... the only. Rather than just being one-dimensional and just I am who I am and that's it, Jesus, he loves you so much that he is willing to become whatever you need him to be in order to reach you. So, for instance, if you're brokenhearted, the Bible says that he is a healer. If you're lonely, then the Bible says he is a friend. Um, if you're at the top of your game, then the Bible says that he not only is your friend, but he is the one who is behind you and for you and sticks closer to you than anybody else. If you feel betrayed, he's the one who will never betray you. So wherever we are, God's willingness to meet us and to, 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 to be to us Uh, What he says he is. He is our father. The lover of our soul. The one that created us and made us and knows us. 
and draws us to himself. Here's really what I want to do through this series, man. We could lift a lot of things up. We could talk about a lot of different things. I guess I've just done this um, long enough to have one ambition anymore. And that's when I'm done speaking. It's not to have you pat me on the back or to go home and tell everybody, wow, that's a great church. You know what I really want? I want you to go home every weekend and say, Jesus is wonderful. Because if we did that, we did the right thing. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw people unto me. All right, let me do this. If you got a pen or a pencil, there's a few fill-in-the-blanks here. Uh, The first message is a little wide, uh, easy. We'll go a little deeper as the weeks go by and have a little more um, uh, teaching. This one just really is to set up where we're going. So um, I just put down a couple of things. Maybe you're familiar with these things. Maybe you aren't. By the way, our prayer as a staff and uh, with the people that pray over the services before we start, here's what I ask them to pray for. Uh, I know that at Easter time, usually what we're considering is maybe people who've never heard the gospel. We ask you to consider inviting somebody. Um, and, and what we usually want is for someone that's never, ever heard the good news to come and hear the good news and have an opportunity to find Jesus. Man, that, of course, that's true. But do you know, my prayer for you right now is that uh, this, the focus wouldn't just be on people who don't know Jesus, but I want the people who do know Jesus to hear something new and to find a new way that God loves you this morning. I want you to find something exciting you didn't know before. You came. All right, got a pen, pencil ready? Uh, number one job of a shepherd. Think about it. Number one job of a shepherd simply is this, to take care of what? Take care of the sheep. There's a number of reasons why Jesus calls us sheep. I heard somebody one time uh, say, <laughs> he said sheep are dumb. Um, yeah, what a, that makes me feel great. Um, that'd be the last thing that I would say this morning. Here's why. We're called sheep. Um, Sheep need community. Sheep are terrible by themselves. When sheep eat, they have a bad habit. They put their heads down and they keep munching in a straight line, even if it takes them into places that are dangerous. And they never notice until it's too late. That's why they need a shepherd. Without a shepherd, sheep put themselves in places of jeopardy all the time. And that's why Jesus is saying, hey, you've got an enemy out there, but I love you. I want to be your shepherd because I love you and I want to watch over you. So the number one job of a shepherd simply is to take care of the sheep. How about this? The number one job of a sheep is what? Stay close to the shepherd. That's your job. Stay close to Jesus. Love him. Learn to hear his voice so that you can follow him. Be passionate about him and make it about the important thing in life. It reminds me, um, Katie and JJ bought a, um, a sheep dog. No, not like the one with the long hair that can't see that way. Uh, it's an Australian sheep dog. You know the kind? And the inbreeding of the dog is that they watch over sheep. And here's what these dogs do that's the most amazing thing. Uh, they walk next to the sheep and they herd them into certain directions so that they end up in pens at nighttime so that they're safe. But when they don't have sheep to take care of, it's still in their inbreeding, so they do it with children. And the funniest thing I've seen when my two little grandsons are out playing, running in the backyard, 
The dog won't let them wander off any place that they're not supposed to. He'll get in front of them and nudge them over. So the little boys always walk in a straight line wherever they go. <laughs> Jesus gives the same identification as to what a shepherd and what sheep do, man. He's watching over our lives and keeping us in that place where it's good and not bad. Here's the thought. The tendency of all sheep. Sheep do a lot of things. Again, I know we don't live in an agrarian society. Uh, very few of us grew up on a farm or a ranch and have any kind of experience with this thought. But this is the truth of the matter. The tendency of all sheep, no matter where and, and what, what breed it is, the tendency of all sheep is to do this one thing. Write this down. Sheep like to wander. Yes. It's just what they do. It's their natural tendency. It's just simply to wander. Uh, Jesus uses the analogy of shepherd, sheep, and the wandering in several different places. Uh, look at this from Matthew's gospel. Look at Jesus' teaching. I bet you've heard this story too. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them, what's the word? Wanders. wanders away. The tendency of all sheep is to wander not to run away, but to wander away. It doesn't give the idea that they're doing it to be rebellious or that they're doing it because they're trying to get away. It's just that they wander. So if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will the shepherd do? Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? Man, I love that because here's what Jesus is teaching. You are so important to me that I won't let you go and do whatever you want to do with your life. I will pursue you. I will come after you. I will find you. I will get you and I will bring you back. Amen. Maybe you sit here this weekend at one of our campuses and you hear this message and you feel very far away. You feel way in the distance. Maybe you feel like, um, maybe you walk into the room and you look around and you think to yourself, I just don't fit here. I, I'm just not a part. I'm just, I'm just so far away. Man, this whole message is written for me to stop at this point and say to you, God knows right where you are. And what I'm supposed to say to you is this. He'll walk away from the 99 to come and find you because you're that important to him. And you may feel all alone and you may feel very far away. Hey, it's okay to not be okay. But God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you not okay. He cares for you. And he knows where you are. And he searches. And he's willing to go to the extreme lengths in order to get a hold of you. Sometimes people find themselves wandered away for a lot of reasons. I wouldn't even try to figure out all the reasons. I would just simply say to you this. God doesn't put a prerequisite for the ones that he's willing to go after. He goes after all of his sheep. You matter to him. You're on his heart. You're on his mind. And it's not an inconvenience to him to chase you.
Uh, I saw this bumper sticker. You ever seen this one? Not all who wander are lost. You ever seen that one right there? Not all who wander are lost. Wow. Can I add a, a thought to that? Uh, any sheep who wanders too far make themselves a target for the enemy to get. So sometimes we think it's cool and we think that it's great to live my life in contrarian thoughts and viewpoints and to test everything, whatever. I'm not here to argue with you about that or say whether you're right or wrong. I just want to say this to you. Here's why Jesus teaches this whole idea of wandering and why he comes to get us. There's danger ultimately when we wander away and isolate ourselves. The rest of the world is not Switzerland. You understand what I mean by that? Most people and places are not neutral. You live in a world and in a time where the enemy is trying to take people down as quick as he can. And in particular, hey, hear this. Don't be offended by it. If you're a believer, he hates you. You are a target. And if he can isolate you and get you in a point where there's no community, there's no one watching, those who wander too far, there's the problem. This is why Jesus goes after you. Because when you're out there all by yourself, far away, you make yourself a target for the enemy to get you. And God loves you so much, he doesn't want that to happen to you. Gosh, that's good news. I mean, I've taught this scripture, at least some form of it, almost every week, trying to just constantly say the same thing over and over again so people get it. In one verse, Jesus gives this diametrically opposed theology. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and then connected to it, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, have it to the full, have a good life. So Jesus just says, you have an enemy who wants to kill you, but I've overcome the enemy, and here's what my plan is for your life. I'll say it again. It's okay to not be okay, but God loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you that way. God wants you to have a good life. Now, I don't know who said this. Uh, I'd like to take the credit for it. But I can't because I know it was one of my pastors and one of my, one of my teaching team pastors said this. So it could have been Kate, could have been DJ, could have been Dan, might have been Marcus, could have been Terry. Um, one of them just brought this up and I thought it was worth mentioning to you. Um, so what we were trying to do was say, okay, this, this thought on shepherds and sheep, uh, you know, 2,000 years old, how do we bring it into modern understanding and how does this practically work in people's lives? And so somebody uh, said this, and it got us on a theme, and I just thought this was worth mentioning to you. You know, today, um, health clubs, man, they're ever, the two things they're building today are hospitals and health clubs. <laughs> Think about that. Because if you work out, you'll go to the hospital. That's the, yeah. Oh, come on. Have fun with it. Um, and retirement places. Those three things are the... If you went to a club and you, you found a trainer and you said, teach me everything there is to know about um, working out, lifting weights, getting in shape, 
and you sat there and you listened to the person teach you and inform you. Think about this. You could become brilliant on the theology of working out. But if you never worked out, you'd never be stronger. Think about that for a moment. So you could even have conversations about what it means to... You could talk about the latest, greatest equipment, how to do... You could be an expert without ever lifting a weight. The best way to know the shepherd is not to come to church and listen to me tell you about the shepherd. You can take great notes, have this conversation with other people, and tell them all of my quotes. It's okay to not be okay, but God loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you that way. Jesus is a good shepherd. You could say all of those things because you hear me say it and because you study. But here's the truth. You could not be any more familiar with the shepherd. Because you don't learn about the shepherd in the classroom. You learn about the shepherd in the field. And so I just want to put this across to you. This message is holy and totally important. Not theologically in your head, but practically when you live it in your heart. I don't want you to go out of here and go, Jesus is a good shepherd. I want you to know by experience that he's a good shepherd. That makes sense? Man, the worst thing that can happen. I think the devil, one of his strategies is to let people go and learn without ever doing. So you have a lot of knowledge, but you're not any stronger. Because you're not experiencing. Jesus wants you to experience for yourself that he's a good shepherd. Psalm says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say know in your mind. It says taste for yourself. Experience for yourself. It's okay to get it in your brain, but it's better to live it in your heart. Let me give you the role of a shepherd real quick. I just like thought, okay, taking John 10, Jesus teaching about what a shepherd does. In three places, he says, this is the role of a shepherd. These are the three things. Listen, I just talked about experiential understanding and learning. These are the three things Jesus wants you to experience with him. You hear what I'm saying? These are the three things he wants you to experience with him. Here's the role of the shepherd. These are the three things he wants you to experience. Number one, maybe most importantly, the role of the shepherd is to protect the sheep. To protect the sheep, to watch over the sheep, to care for the sheep. Uh, When he was asked by the disciples to teach us to pray, you remember the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Then the powerful little statement, deliver us from, and literally translated, it's the evil one. Do you know one of the things we should be praying every day is God, deliver us from the evil one. When's the last time you prayed that prayer? Deliver us. Our prayer should not be, God, help me to fight the evil one. You want to know the best fight is the one you don't have to fight. Let God fight that battle for you. Deliver us from evil and the evil 
One, the role of the shepherd, look at me, he wants you to experience this, is that he wants to deliver you from the evil one. He wants to protect you, man. He wants to keep you in that place. Um, in John 10, at, at, towards the very end of it, Jesus said, um, I hold them in my hands and no one can snatch them from there. No one can take you out of his hands. Let me rephrase. Maybe no one can snatch us, but is it possible to wander out of his hands? Do you get what I mean by that? Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time there. Um, verse 11. So this is, remember, we're in John 10. And in verse 11, John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd sacrifices his what? For the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. All right, theologically, we know that Jesus gave his life. Uh, he took our place so we could have his place. He took our death, we get his life. Uh, man, I know that's an oversimplification, forgive me, but it just, it literally is that he took our place so we could have his place. He took our dishonor, we get his honor. He took our death, our punishment, man, we get his life, uh, we get his reward. What a deal. He's the protector. How he does that is amazing. I could tell story after story. I bet you could too. How about this? Let me just say this real quick. For those of you who are old enough to have looked back over your life and realized this, um, have, you, have you ever come to this conclusion when you think back on certain situations that happened to you that, um, man, if it had gone a split second or a half a moment or... Have you ever just realized you shouldn't be here? Somehow God kept his hand on your life. He's a protector. Um, by the way, this doesn't negate. So we had a, a horrible tragedy last week. Lose one of our pastors. That's not God not protecting. We live in a fallen world. And all healing in this life is only temporary. You need to understand that. God's point of view is that he did not design this world to be everything. Heaven is everything. And not all healing happens here. But I promise you, Brenda's healed right now. And I told everybody this uh, this last week. If you saw what she is seeing right now, you'd trade places. You really would. You really would. But he protects us and he watches over us. And man, there's so much to say about that. Time is, a, enemy. is an enemy. <laughs> Some are like, no, time's my friend. Um, I get it. Okay. Um, I just got to tell you this story. I just have to. Um, you can say, Pastor, that's, that's not God. That's just fortune or that's you're lucky or you're the right place at the right time. Okay, whatever. Um, but my sheep know my voice. Chris and I were driving on I-25 southbound at Hampton. And it was one of those mornings where it had snowed about inch and a half or two inches, and then the sun comes out. You know those mornings? Yeah. So it's cold, but the sun hits it and it begins to melt, and you get all that blowback from all the cars right in front of you, and it turns into that cement on your... Okay, what's, what's the next thing that's going to happen? No, you're going to run out of windshield wiper fluid, right? That's, that's when you're going to run out. 
So you're reaching out the window trying to do that, that number. And we were going far too fast in traffic, a big pack of traffic going, going too fast in this. And I'm in a right lane coming right up on the exit. And I know that I know as sure as I'm talking to you right now, in my heart I heard the Lord say, exit. And my normal thing is to argue like, that's very inconvenient for me to exit. <laughs> it's exceptionally inconvenient right now if I do this. But I did it. And it's an up ramp. It goes up right there so that you can look down on traffic. And as I exit up and look back to my left, there was a 35 or 40 car pileup that happened with all the cars that we were just in. Now, no one died in that accident. But I wonder if we would have been injured in that accident right there. And that's not to say that I've avoided every accident. Dude, I've wrecked my fair share of cars. But in this case, I can tell you that I know that I know that I heard the Lord tell me in a split second, exit. Listen to me. I wonder how many times he talks to us and we ignore it. And we ignore it at our own peril. And God is merciful and he is gracious and he keeps his hand on our lives. But I wonder how many things he could spare us from. If we learn to discern his voice quickly. I wish I had time to tell you raising children. How many times I had to listen to his voice. To give me some strategy with a kid that I didn't know what to do. Strategy in dealing with a spouse. Strategy in dealing with an employee. Or with a situation. Uh, One time I had this deal. It it was just so complicated. I had a picture in my mind. It looked like a bowl of spaghetti. And you couldn't tell where they went in. and where they. It was just all jumbled. And I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do about this thing right now. And the Lord gave me a strategy by listening to his voice. This is rabbit trails that I could go off on. But this, this, he is the protector of the sheep. And I believe that God is, he is active in our lives over and over and over again, especially as we're asking him. And if we would learn to discern his voice, the protection that we could find inside that might be remarkable for us. Uh, just the second one, um, the role of the shepherd is to know the sheep. Verse 14, uh, John chapter 10, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. So here he says it again, I am the good shepherd. In other words, here's what the good shepherd does. I know my sheep and they know me. Okay, look, there's two words for know in the Bible. There's actually three, but two that we're going to concentrate on real quick. There's know, which is Gnostic, to know with your brain. And then there's no to know something with your heart. All right. So we've been here 20 years, the length of the church. Many of you have sat here for years and years too. Some of you have been here for weeks, some for months. You've heard me talk about my wife. Many of you have had interactions with Chris. Two of our good friends, John and Kathleen Stubbs, are sitting here right now. We've been to their house for supper several times. Gosh, we love to get together with them uh, they are just wonderful people, people that we have clicked with. Kathleen in particular uh, and Chris have just hit it off with each other. So in all fairness, if I were to say this morning, how many of you know Chris? Kathleen could raise her hand and say, I know Chris. She does. But if I said, I know Chris, are we saying the same thing? Do you get what I... So what, what's the difference? She knows her in a realm, but I know her in an intimacy that's going on 37 years. I for sure know what aggravates her. (laughs) 
And I for sure know what blesses her. I know what embarrasses her. And I know what blesses her. I know her in an intimate way. Just listen to me. When it says, I know my sheep and they, don't, and they know me, it's the word to know through intimacy. So let me give you a comparison. I've used this before. Uh, it's a scripture that, that worries me, but I do understand it, and I think I've rightly divided it. But it's on Judgment Day, and it's that scripture where those um, mistaken believers say to Jesus on Judgment Day, Lord, Lord. We cast out demons in your name. We did miracles in your name. We prophesied in your name. And then Jesus says, depart from me. Listen, because I don't know who you are. That word know is the same know here. He knows who they are up here, but he doesn't know them intimately. And Jesus wants to know you intimately. You're not safe because you can tell me who Jesus is. You're in because you know Jesus. And he knows you. Does that make sense? We're not safe because we go to church. We're not safe because the pastor teaches a message. We're not safe because we can write down a theological understanding. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit... We're safe because we know him and he knows us. You won't stand before him and rely. What they did, they were relying on their works. We prophesied and we did all these great works. You're safe when you stand up and go, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus goes, I know and love you too. Those are awesome words. You hear what I'm saying? Okay, let me finish because I'm... Running out. Uh, the last thing that the, the role of the shepherd, according to John 10, is that he provides for the sheep. That John 10, 10 verse, let me just read it to you, the second part of it. Uh, so he says in the first part, um, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Same verse. But my purpose, Jesus' purpose, is to give his sheep a rich and satisfying life. Some translations say uh, abundant life. Some say a life that's worth having. It all says the same thing. I don't consider myself to be a prosperity preacher in the sense that I feel like if you give enough money, you can buy God's blessings. There are people who teach that. That if you give enough, you can buy God's favor and buy his blessings. That's bull. God is not for sale. But I am a prosperity preacher in this because Jesus said it. He wants to bless your life. He wants to bless your marriage. He wants to bless your children. He wants to bless your health. He wants to bless your mind. He wants to bless your business. He wants to watch over your heart. He wants to keep you safe. He wants you to have a good life. And somehow, churches and some pastors have manipulated the idea that, that prosperity, God is the author of prosperity. 
And prosperity is just not what you have in your checkbook. Prosperity is the word shalom. And that means to be whole in your mind and your body and your spirit. How good would it be to be whole in all parts of your life? And if you're like, well, I just don't believe that. Why are you here this morning? Because that's the good news that God offers to you is wholeness, man. He loves you. He's the good shepherd. He wants to bless you. The ultimate proof, God so loved that he gave. He gave Jesus. Maybe the most famous word, and I've, I've got to be done, forgive me. Maybe the most famous word on a shepherd and sheep comes from the Old Testament, Psalms 23. I'll just read the first three verses. Um, read it with me. Count to three. One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. It brings honor to the Lord when you do good in your life. Not wonderful? Aren't you glad this doesn't begin with God is mean, harsh, and out to get you. And so many believers, whether they ever say it that way or not, really believe that God doesn't want to bless. The number one place we need reformed thinking is the way we think about God. Everything in Scripture says the same things. He loves you. and He is for you. And he wants to bring you that life. That life. How are you doing with that life? How are you doing? Because if you find yourself like somewhere there's a disconnect, then let's be honest. Let's own it. And let's just say, God, help me in this. Three things. If you're here this morning and you don't know him and you want to know him, ask. Here's a holy prayer. God, be merciful to me. If you're here and you find yourself in that situation where you're way far away, the whole message, God designed it to speak to that person this morning. Don't stay far away. I'm not asking you to be good, to reform, to get religion. I'm not even saying you need to go to church. Turn to Jesus, though. He loves you and pursues you. The last one just simply is that thing. If you're here and that whole abundant life thing is escaping you, rather than be frustrated by it, rather than think God doesn't really mean it, rather than just think, I just got to, you know, this, that's church and this is life. Compartmentalizing your life is not what God wants. He wants you to be whole in all of those things and join them together. Say honestly to him, God, I need help. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know how to go about this. I'm not hearing your voice very well. You're not going to shock him. He knows. Tell him, help me. Help me. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are good to us and that you love us. You're not against us. God, you're for us. Thank you that you've proven it by giving the most ultimate, incredible gift, your son, for our lives.
Maybe some of us are just beginning on that spiritual path right now by saying, okay, God, I surrender. Help me. Maybe you know the Lord, but you're just so, so far away. Turn to Jesus. And maybe that whole abundant life thing right now is where the war is happening at. You believe everything in you that what I said is true, but what's happening in life right now, you can't get those two things to reconcile. Man, that's where we bow the knee to Jesus and just like, you said, I believe, and I'm going to stand on that. Help me. Wherever you find yourself in that right now, just be real before the Lord. God, thank you for helping us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, don't leave us where you find us. Bring us into that place that you promise us. And I pray it in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to me.